Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. First Thessalonians, I'm going to teach you in chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 17, and invariably I'll end up preaching because I can't help myself. Need a whole lot of monitor tonight. I leaned on those vocal cords this morning. If you didn't hear this morning's message, you want to go ahead and get that. Apparently, I had people saying, oh man, that was for me. It was for me too. And so is this text. First Thessalonians, first epistle or first letter of Paul to the church in Thessalonica. Thessaloniki, if you're Greek. Chapter 2, find verse 17. If you're all there, say, woo But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at, the, at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. I want you to say that. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that you would suffer tribulation just as it happened and you know. Verse five, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. Wow, verse six. But now that Timothy has come, to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love that you always have a good remembrance of us greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren and sistren, it doesn't really say that, it just says brethren. In all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. And now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Come on, you say, if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect that which is lacking your faith. Verse 11, now may our God and Father himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another 
and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. My God, here we go. Father, move in power. Come on, just lift your voice. Ask God to speak to you tonight. Come on, in Oregon tonight, wherever you are, on all of the platforms right here in this great congregation, Wasilla, Alaska. God, pour out your spirit in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. I think I said just recently that we were driving on the way to the airport, and it was upsetting for me. Uh, to see the tent cities. They're between the, the highways and the service roads. And I don't mean just a few people. I mean hundreds of people encamped. And you can tell they weren't there for just, you know, a weekend camping trip. They, they had been living there. Blue tarps flailing in the wind, completely frayed because they have been flailing in the wind for a long time. They were there for months and months and months, and who knows, maybe years. I've seen a little bit of the inner city from the inside. In other words, I wasn't just driving through. That's all I'll say about that. So I discerned as I was going through these tent cities, these encampments of homeless folks, a lot of drug activity. Not just a little bit of drug activity, a lot. We took some back service roads led astray by the false prophet Siri. <laughs> oh yeah, apparently she's visited your house also. We ended up trying to return our rental car to budget rental car by six o'clock. So they were to close at six. So we were perfectly on time. In fact, 15 minutes before they closed. However, not on the website or on the app, did we know that you had to get there by 5.30. So as we went through these, this back neighborhood close to the airport and these tent cities, I mean, we're pulling up to streetlights, and I'm clearly aware that I'm going to blow the light at any moment if I need to. I'll be absolutely breaking the law regularly, going through all the lights if I need to at a high rate of speed. Because I wasn't going to get stuck in some tent city with people surrounding me and you read about some pastor having mowed down people because that's not going to happen to me. Amen. <laughs> pastor mows down tent city. Yeah. God forbid. Amen. Just wasn't going to get stuck in that. Stick it in reverse. Go over the sidewalk. You know, there's other laws. There's a higher law at work if you're going to get trapped or something's going to go wrong. And it felt like that. It did. It felt like that. And we took a turn to go return our car and a budget. And I realized... Oh, we are in a bad place. We're in a bad place. And so we pull in, and they're like, no, 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 you can't, you can't return your car here. I got out, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I am. Yeah. I looked at him and said, uh-huh. We were, you know, like, I had the look like, you say whatever you want. I'm returning my car because I'm out of here. And things calmed down. It might have been me that calmed down. I had gotten triggered by the tent city. I've seen some stuff. Anybody else seen some things? I've seen evil. I've seen wickedness. I've seen the face of evil. And I wasn't with my beautiful wife. I, I wasn't going to have any of that come my way. And I, I might, I'd lost my peace. And you lose your peace. It's time to get back on track. 
And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm beginning to lose my peace. Like, this is not good. We, this is not good. We're out. Peace. Out. We got out of there, and I, it's just bothered me since then. There is so much evil happening in, in our communities. I remember years ago, and some of you that were here back, back in those days, we did, a, we did a thing called Hell House. We took the whole, the whole half of the building over there where all the children's facility is, and that whole side. We converted it into a live expose of demon activity uh, at Halloween time. I was going to paint the whole side of the church black and put Hell House on it. It was like a haunted house, but that would have really made people upset. I'm glad we didn't do that because we, we had articles written. They called us the Brackenites back there, back then. We had, and you always get persecuted by the church. Why would you do that, Pastor? Simply to reveal that behind domestic violence is demon power. Behind drug addiction, demon power. Behind abortion, we had an abortion scene and it was so, it was upsetting. Very upsetting. Why would you do that? To shock people to the reality that we face a very real evil. There is a very real devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And sometimes in our, our lives are, you know, just cute and, and blessed and you know, for most of us, there's not like a whole bunch of evil that takes place that's, I don't know what would be the word, obvious. A lot of subtle evil things taking place. I want to preach to you a message called Standing Strong. We see evil, blatant evil. We are to grow and bear fruit. We must confront evil. We must confront evil and win in our own individual lives, in our families, in our community, in our nation. We've been equipped to win, but if you don't ever confront stuff, I've said it this way, if you don't confront things, you'll have the devil running stuff. And somebody try to, you know, just recently do some nonsense in the church. You can try that if you want. You won't be here too long. You'll get front, confronted quickly. I've got security in all corners. I've got all kinds of stuff. But why would you do that? Because sometimes people come in to do their business. The, the devil wants to possess someone to shoot up a school. That, that's how that works. So if he, if he can get you to, to yield to his will, then he can do evil through you. But not me, Pastor. Okay. Keep watching that pornography and see how that works for you. You might end up... You know, let me say this. If you, if, you are, if you have a struggle with that, expose it, get healed, and get delivered. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're supporting the whole select trade, trade industry. We must confront evil. Bear fruit, confront evil, and, and win. Look at this text now. Paul is, is being attacked. You say, how do you know that? Well, I've taught you before, but I don't think I've said it for quite a while. When, when you read... When you read the epistles, epistle is a Greek word for letters. So these are letters written to, and they were, they were letters that would travel around, circular letters, some call them. So a letter would come to one area, and then it would be passed on to another church, to another church, to another church. When you read these letters, it's, it's like, does anybody remember when you were a kid trying to listen to your mother have a conversation on the phone, and you, and you pick out pieces of what's going on? And from what you, you can tell by the way she's talking, she's talking to dad or your other sibling. Or uh, when I'm awakened, perhaps in the night, the phone rings and I answer it, Pastor Karen's staring at me. And she can tell, what if I say, oh God, are you okay? 
Oh my God, let me pray for you. And, and, and you can tell like, okay, there, there's a problem. There's a problem, there's an accident, there's something that happened. And we get those phone calls. When you read through the epistles, whether it, whether it be First or Second Thessalonians or these different letters, First Timothy, Second Timothy, read through the letters in the New Testament. It's like listening to a one-way conversation. So when you read what he's saying in the letter, it gives you clarity or understanding of what's actually happening in the region or in that church of which it's written. Does that make sense? Okay. So Paul is being attacked. And he's, they're questioning Paul's love for them. And you know that by, the, by what he's saying here in the text. He's being attacked. They're probably saying, oh, he does, Paul doesn't love you. He's abandoned you. You know what's amazing to me is the enemy always works extra overtime to undermine leadership. And so the enemy was working to undermine the apostle Paul so he couldn't pour in and they wouldn't receive from him. See, if the enemy can strike the shepherd, then the sheep would scatter. And so over and over, you be very careful to what you listen to about leaders. And, and, and the Bible talks about that. Don't entertain an accusation against a leader unless there's two or three witnesses. You should hear the things that people have said about Pastor Karen. Horrible. Because if he can undermine, <laughs> you should hear the things they've said about Pastor Curson. Because if he can undermine Pastor Curson, if he could undermine me, if he can get you to believe some stupid lie, then he will wipe us out from being able to pour into your life. So if he can undermine the authority and undermine the integrity of this church and the integrity of this ministry, and, and, and you can lose respect for those who are in leadership. And that's what the enemy's trying to do here with the Apostle Paul and those scoundrels, thugs. I'm going to call them religious thugs. It's one of the reasons it's so important for you to live above reproach. It's so important. Come on, listen to me online. It's important for you to live above reproach. It's important that you do things that don't even appear evil. Why? Because if you do things that have the appearance of evil, then people begin actually to believe that you do it. Avoid even the appearance of evil. So instead, Paul, Paul says that they were torn away like a child. Torn away from, from it, like a child from his parents. He had these great revival meetings, and you can read in the book of Acts, he had these great revival meetings, and Jews had gathered and they, in Thessalonica, and they actually had to hide him and then sneak him out. Otherwise, they were going to kill him. So understand what's happened. They had a great revival in Thessalonica. I, I lived there. I lived outside the city of Thessalonica in the 80s for about six months. No, maybe more like four. About four months I lived there. And I worked at an American farm school uh, in Thessaloniki, it's called now. And... I was in that city. I, I went around that city. That's where this letter is written to that church that was there. Paul had this great revival, and they tried to capture him and basically kill him, some, some religious thugs, some Jews who wanted to really hurt him. They hit him, and he snuck away. And you got to know that this great revival, when he snuck away, he never saw them. It's like, not like you had FaceTime back then. And, and this being torn away, 
being pulled away like a, the word that's used here is it's like being orphaned is the Greek word. That's intense. When we came to Seattle, I saw Greg Dean, and maybe you're online right now, Greg. I have not seen Greg Dean in years. He's had, he had a horrible motorcycle accident, and they've been through some real trials, and they were a part of this church for years. In fact, uh, Wendy Dean and, and my family and I, we flew in on the same plane when we first came here 15 years ago. And they were a part of our church and served valiantly. And, and their, their, their mama, Claire, how many of you knew Claire Barton? She, she was the original banner waver. Man, she's got to be waving some banners right now. She would make these banners that were like, I mean, uh, before there was cool banners. She had banners filled with art. She did prophetic art before there was even anything called prophetic art. She was doing prophetic art. And I have some of it. She has a whole book. She's in heaven now. So the deans, we, we got quite close and, and just love and watched their kids grow up. And then they moved to, to Spokane. And they moved away from, from Kings. And we kept in touch and they would visit. And, and uh, her dad is in Primrose, a part of our church in Primrose right now. Come on, isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? That uh, Dad, Bob Barton, who, who sends me emails occasionally with humorous Christian jokes. Bob Barton is over at Primrose on a vital part of our church there. When I saw Greg Dean at the church in Seattle, and I got closer and closer, my heart exploded. He turned and he started weeping, and we grabbed each other and held on to each other and cried and cried and cried as the power of God was... What is that all about? It's about a deep, abiding covenant love that can only come from the Spirit of God. So when the Apostle Paul says we were torn away, I, I understand that just a little bit. We were torn away. We were, the word he uses is like I was, was orphaned. He lost, I, I don't know if you ever lost a child. That's hard. That's the word, that's the, the verbiage he's using. Oh, and I've missed you so much. It's this deep love that can only come really from, from the heart of God. He had, a, he had a passion to, a passion to return to see them. Look at verse 17. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence. That word taken away, that's the word for being orphaned. That's the word for being torn away from your children. Does anybody know what that's like? Do you know what it's like to lose a child? Okay, that is what he's saying. What love. Torn away. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, verse 18. I, even I, Paul, again and again. There's this, there's this passion that, to return to see them. And he says that Satan hindered us. He had a deep desire to be with them. And, and really... When you look at this, the word here for, for passion in, in the perverse sense, it's used for, for lust. But in this sense, it's used in the most righteous way. I'm going to see my daughter soon. Soon. She's about to graduate school. And I have to control myself. She's 21. I have to control myself 
like when I get out of the college, because I, I can make a scene. How many of you know that's probably true? You're, you're about to find out. Amen. So you can pull up to college, and I want to like, here's what I really want to do. Whoa, get out of the car and be like, yes, come on, baby. And just run up to her, wrap my arms around her, kiss her, hug on her. Tell, but no, I can't do that. It's good to see you, sweetheart. Why don't you come give me a hug? But, but what I really want to do, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a loving, fiery passion for your children. That is what Paul's saying here. A passion to return to see them. Come on, you know when, you, when, you're, when your mom's sick or your dad's sick, or maybe they're elderly, you have to get on a plane. It's not like, how much does that cost? It's not a question of how much it costs. You're going to get a ticket. You're going to pray it through. You're going to get over there, and you're going to help. Why? Because you love them. There's a passion. Now, maybe you might do that out of obligation because you're still struggling with bitterness, but the really, when it's healthy, there's a passion to help your loved ones, your children. That is the term, the, the words he's using to understand what he's saying. And the reason that he didn't come back to Thessalonica is Satan hindered him. And that, that's quite a thing. Dr. Morocco said it a certain way, and I've remembered it uh, and, and shared it with you all of these years. If Satan can hinder the Apostle Paul, it'd be fair to say he could hinder you. No, he can't. I've got Jesus. I'm glad you got Jesus, but he wants to try to hinder you. And yes, we can overcome him. And I love this other part of it here. Look with me. There, look at verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it. You see, sometimes the moving of the Spirit will trouble you in such a way that you must do something about it. And that's what he's saying. He's saying we couldn't come because Satan hindered us. And we don't know exactly what that is. We don't know exactly what the hindering of Satan is. But know for sure, he wants to hinder you. He wants to hinder me. He, there's like, listen, your will is not the only will. God's will is not the only will. Satan has a will too. And then there's, there's 350 people here, 400 people in the church tonight. So there's 400 other wills here. And if Satan can hinder you and stop you, then he will. So he tries to do that. Why? Because he's heard about and seen the fruit that's going to take place or has taken place through a church like this with the people that are on fire, that are hungry for God, that are willing to do their very best to reach the lost at any cost and to build the kingdom of God. And so if he, if he tries to stop you, consider it not strange, my brothers and sisters. Did you face all kind of fiery trials? It was a God's testimony. It's not God testing you. The devil wants to stop you. Some stupid book was written back in the 80s about how if it's not easy, then it's not God. No, really, that if ministry is not working smoothly, then it must not be the Lord. Can I tell you something? I think every ministry I've ever done, every very rarely. In fact, things are going so well with our building project, makes me a little nervous. That's why we're at 24-7 prayer. Why? Because things are so good. Let's hit the devil again. <laughs> Let's keep him underneath our feet. So we decided to do 24-7 prayer. Why? Because he wants to hinder us. He wants to hinder the building project. He wants to hinder your babies. He wants to hinder your marriage. He wants to hinder. He wants to stop the church. He can't because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. But it doesn't mean that the gates of hell won't try. 
There's a number of ideas of what hindered the Apostle Paul. And he, when he could endure it no longer, there comes a time when you're serving God, endeavoring to do his will, that you can feel, I've had it happen numerous times, I'm sure it'll happen again, where that's it. That's it. I'm through with whatever's happening here, and I'm going to run this thing over, kill it, run through it, whatever. I, it, it's, it's time for change. That is what he said. When we can endure it no longer, I must know. I must know what's happening in Thessalonica. I must know what's happening with the people that are part of that revival is torn away like a parent from their child. I have got to know. I can't stand it. Timothy, Timothy! Come here, Tim. That's you. You're Timothy tonight. Come on. So he says, when we could endure it no longer, he sends Timothy, his son in the faith. And he tells Timothy, Satan's hindering me from going. And God shows the apostle Paul a way to circumvent the attack of the enemy by releasing a leader. It is awesome. And he releases leadership to do what he could not do at that time for whatever reason. We don't really understand it. It's, it's kind of amazing. Maybe it was physical. Maybe, maybe it was, maybe you know, spiritual, of course, a spiritual attack that manifested physically. We, we don't know exactly what the hindrance was, but he circumvented it by sending a leader. I've never seen that before. He sends Timothy to Thessalonica because Paul was so concerned about their faith. And he sent Timothy to strengthen and to encourage them. You can see that right in the text. Paul was concerned that they would fall victim to Satan's temptation. This is, this is verse 5. Look at verse 5 of 1 Thessalonians 3. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. Lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. He knew, listen, this, this, this backhands, that lie, listen, if once you're saved that everything's good, then you wouldn't read that. Is that NIV? May I? Thank you. Verse 5. For this reason, when I could no longer, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way, the tempter might have tempted you, and our efforts might have been useless. Wow. See, that, 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 like, that runs so cross-grain to the once you're saved, it's all good. Because they were obviously saved, and the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm concerned that you've been ripped off. I'm concerned that you've been robbed. I'm concerned that you've been led astray. I'm concerned about your faith. I couldn't take it any longer because longer, I know the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So I'm sending a Timothy to find out about your faith because I know you could be wiped out. That, that, that's, that's intense. Neo-Calvinism, that pokes that thing in the eye with a hot stick. The third thing you see is that Timothy returns with a good report. So when we're reading this, he's writing, and he's saying, I sent Timothy, and he's come back. And oh, oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know that Timothy. 
came and brought a good report. Some of you getting started falling out in the aisles. I saw that right there. <laughs> Timothy re returns with a good report, and you'll notice the response that Paul gives. Paul gives thanks to God. He gives thanks to God. I was so grateful to see my brother Greg. I was so grateful to see um, Minister Julie Kinsai. I haven't seen in so long. You should have, you guys know Minister Julie Kinsai. Some of you know Minister Julie. She's, we've known her for, oh, I don't know, 27 years since I came in the church. She's, you know, she's been there. I came to the church before the Davises. You met them just after that. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, we handed, the, we handed the microphone. We handed the microphone. I had her pray. And, um, you know, she had, a, she had a mask on. She started praying. She started praying. She worked her way up into a straight frenzy and just ripped that thing off. She could, the, the mask, she's like, ah! she turned it loose and released the power of God. That mask was hindering what she wanted to do in the spirit. It just seemed to be holding her back. And it was so beautiful for us to see her. We've known her since we've been saved. Amazing. Gave, and I, I gave thanks to God for these different ones. And that's what Paul's saying. Paul's giving thanks to God because he found out, man, it's, no, but they're, they're good. They're sound in their faith. They're still established. His work wasn't in vain. They're, it's gonna be all right for them. And Paul tells them how he prayed. Look at verse 11 and 13, 11 through 13. He prays, now may our God and Father himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way to you. He didn't stop praying that he'd be able to make it to him. And may the Lord make you increase. Well, that'll just also backhand any poverty teaching. Why would Paul want you to increase and abound in love to one another? He, listen, the whole aspect, uh, I should say rather, one of, the, one of the qualities of the kingdom is it's constantly increasing. You're to increase in favor, increase in anointing, increase in resources, increase in results. You're supposed to get big, and wide in God. And it's really a beautiful prayer that he prays. Increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. It is a beautiful, beautiful prayer. Okay, what's God saying to us? Very simply, in the face of tremendous opposition and evil, you must stand strong. You must decree and declare and proclaim. There's a number of points here on how to do that. You must stand strong. First Peter chapter five, underline this in your Bible if you're able. Verse eight, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. What a scripture. The enemy wants to wipe you out. Come on, stand strong. Everybody say, stand strong. Stand strong. Satan accuses. There's four things you see. Here about Satan. He accuses. 
Satan accuses. The very fact that he accused Paul, that, he, that, he didn't, that Paul didn't love them. That's why he left you. He didn't love you. If he loved you, he'd have stayed. That's not true. And Paul straightened it out. The Satan, Satan comes to accuse. He's the accuser of the brethren. You be careful when you start thinking crazy thoughts. I won't ask you to raise your hand. But if you've ever thought an evil thought about, about the church that you attended or about your pastor or about, listen, you have to guard over that stuff because there's fiery darts of the enemy that want to get you to think crazy. And if he can get you to think that way, then you'll be derailed. What if it's true? What if it's a lie? How do we find out if it's true or a lie? You communicate. I remember years ago, somebody, somebody was saying of Dr. Morocco and that he had some mansion with a pool and all the resources of the church went to Dr. Morocco and all this stuff. And uh, as a church, we bought him this, this beautiful car, which he would never buy for himself because he would buy cars that are held together with duct tape. He's a missionary. So he'd rather drop it in the offering to reach another village, another town, another, another nation than put it into a vehicle. And so... They, the board got together and bought him a vehicle, and uh, they gave the, on the license plate it says a gift, and that was because there were so many people like, see, he was driving that fancy car. Oh God! Revelation twelve is the accuser, accuser of the brethren. Revelation twelve talks about that has been hurled down. I don't know if you've ever felt like no one cares about you, but if you ever have felt that way. It's not true. And if the enemy can get you to think that nobody cares about you, well, the pastor really cared for me. He just said something to me at church. I, I, I'm trying to do the best to remember my own name. And if I haven't thanked you lately, I thank you now from the bottom of my heart. But we're not doing it for man. If you're upset because somebody didn't acknowledge you, listen, we all need a pat on the back. We all need acknowledgement. Well, we don't do it for man. We do it unto God. But we do need encouragement, and please encourage each other. But if you've been missed, all of our children's workers, God bless you. Special touch of God to serve back there. I don't have that anointing. Glory. But others do, and they say, Glory. Thank God for anointed children's workers. Raise my children back there. Thank God for youth ministry. I'm not called to that either. Shakata. That's what the enemy is doing here with Paul as he's bringing accusation he'll, and he'll, he'll try to do the same thing. The second thing we see to bring home the takeaway, the download tonight, is that Satan brings trials. I said Satan brings trials. But God will turn it all around. Yeah, the Satan attacks. He does. Like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. For those who are under the hand of God, submitted to the mighty the mighty principles of the kingdom and loving God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. He's a toothless lion. And whatever the enemy brings, whatever the ever devil meant for evil, God will turn for good. Romans 8, 28. He works all things together for the good. And we know that God works all things together for the good for those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. The third thing we see here from this text is that Satan tempts people to abandon their faith. I mean, verse 5 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it. Why could he no longer endure it? 
I sent to know your faith. Why could he no longer endure it? Because he could no longer endure it because he thought that foul devil is stealing people's faith and they're gonna fall away from the Lord. That's why he could no longer endure it. Well, that, again, is you don't even hear preaching like that anymore. You don't even hear that. And there are always going to be people who try to substitute for your faith and personal relationship with God with religion. There will always be people who say, well, you just shouldn't be doing that. Why do you go to that church? I don't think I I've heard accountants. You gave how much? You could use this to, you need to change accountants. If your accountant is looking down their nose at you, creating strife, there's some spirit-filled accountants. Amen. And the enemy wants to get people to, to lose out with God over money and fame and try to get you to substitute a viable walk with the Lord for, for anything else. He's, he's desperately trying to do that. That's why we have so many services. Plus, it's the biggest party in town. Where else would you rather go? Come on, come on, raise your hands to heaven and say, Woo! I'm seeing people go after money. I'm like, I'm just going to make a lot of money. I'm going to give to God. I can't tithe right now, so you know that that's not true. And then the other thing is that when they actually, if, the, if it does end up happening, they stop coming. I see it over and over and over for 20-something years as a pastor. I've seen people begin to substitute sports with their kids for church on Sunday. Oh, yeah, hockey. They'll complain if this hurts a little bit, then, you know, let, let it get the festering wound and the pus out. No, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. You're like, how much is youth camp? My God. Seriously? But it'll go out and buy a $500 or $1,000 prom dress, but you can't send your kid to youth camp for, for how much? How much is youth camp? $350 to send your kid to camp for a week. You go tell me where you could stay somewhere for a week, get fed four square meals, have the fire of the Holy Ghost, and alter and change your life forever. $350, but give me a break, you cheapskate. Hockey skates are more than that. I don't know how much hockey skates are, but I played hockey for a couple seasons. Those cute pants, those are expensive, those things. A hockey stick. Well, you need, yeah, you need to have a hockey stick. Of course you need to have a hockey. I'm all for playing sports. I love sports. I've played sports. It was great. It taught me a lot. I've sent my kids to sports camp, but it sure wasn't on Sunday. And it sure wasn't when we were having church. And it never took the place of, you. listen, sports can't take the place of church. Nothing can take the place of this and what the, the enemy was doing is trying to get the people of Thessalonica to get away from the Apostle Paul and, and seduce them into a form of religion lacking power and to get them twice dead, pulled up the roots just like they were from the synagogue of Satan. Let's have a praise break. Amen. Satan hinders. God's not the only one in the universe. Therefore, everything that happens is not God's will. And I think I've made that quite clear tonight. 
The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why when Jesus came to the man of Gadara, the demonized man of Gadara, in the Gospels, he casts the demons out into a herd of pigs. He made deviled ham. And the next thing those pigs did was run right off off a cliff and drown themselves. It's a picture of, of suicide. It's a picture of death. It's a picture of what the devil, and that's what that man was struggling with, cutting himself and doing all of that. Listen, if you cut yourself, you can be set free from that self-hatred. You can be delivered from that thing. It's demonic. You need to be set free. If you have, a, if you have difficulty with that, we will help you. You come and talk to me, talk to Pastor Karen, any of my staff, we will guide you, direct you, and get you free. Through counseling, through prayer, you do not have to suffer under the demonization and the oppression of the enemy that tells you that it'd be better if you'd be dead. It'd be better if you weren't alive. It's alive from the pit, I declare to you, that God has a plan for your life. God has a hope and a future for you, but the devil wants to hinder you. Can you say, oh, God, help us? And Christian needs to discern between God's will and Satan's hindering. And that is really where the rub is, if I can quote my dear friend, Pastor Brian. Sometimes Satan sends storms, and other times there's a storm to try to, from the Lord, like, like Jonah. A storm from God came to Jonah. Some of you are in storms because your own stupidity. The devil don't need to do anything to you. You'd, you just do it to yourself. You guys talk about the devil quite a bit. No, we don't. We talk about God, but it's be stupid not to teach you. We are not ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. There's a war to try to stop the plans of God. Paul didn't try to stop getting to them. He kept praying. He found a way to circumvent and send a leader, Timothy. There's a real Satan, and we have to fight and win by the blood. We have actually, in actual fact, we've already won. But it needs to be enforced. Speed limit out in front of the church right here is, what, 55? No? It's not? I think it's 35. Some people that I know really well <laughs> drive a little bit faster. Faster than that. <laughs> so it's settled outside. It's, it's settled here in the street that it's 35 miles an hour, okay? 35 miles an hour. I've seen you driving. 35 miles an hour. But there's not always a police officer out there to enforce it. So many of you, <laughs> drive faster than 35 miles an hour. Brother Haggerty. If there was a, if there was a police car parked doing radar every week, you know, on the side of the road, 
giving people tickets on the way to church and after church, I guarantee you, you would be driving 35 miles an hour. You know how my wife helps me? Sometimes I speed, occasionally. And, and when she's uncomfortable, she says, oh God, give him a ticket right now. I'm like, no! He's breaking the law, he's breaking your law. He's breaking the law, God, give him a ticket. I'm like, what kind of prayer is that? Let me tie this in. There is a real Satan, and we're enforcing what Jesus has already done. Some of you don't enforce what he's done. Do you understand? The speed limit out front is 35. Some of you, you, you speed back and forth because it's really not all that much enforced. It's probably like a prophetic message to all of us right now. <laughs> Drive the speed limit. It's totally how God works with me, by the way. I'll say stuff and preach it, and then before you know it, it happened the following week. 35, 35, 35, 35. 30. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 35, 35, 35. The point is, is that what Jesus has done, is he has defeated hell, death, and the grave. But you need to enforce it. Some of you are waiting for Jesus to come and take care of it. Well, he duly appoints you and gives you authority over darkness, infirmity, disease, but you have to enforce it. So the devil's running you roughshod, driving up and down your street at 70, 80 miles an hour, taking advantage of you because you're not enforcing it. You need to drop kick him off of the highway of God, off of your life, and command him to leave. Is this making sense? It's a delegated authority. He definitely comes to attack. That's why we just take authority over him every time in morning prayer. Oh, we take authority over him in the building project. That thing's going to be finished with shouts of grace. Yeah, it's going to be paid for in three to five years. Glory to God. Going to be thousands of people going to plant churches all over the state of Alaska. Going to plant churches all over the United States of America. Going to reach Vision 500. Hallelujah. Going to do it with all the power that works so mightily in me. So help me, God. Come on, somebody say amen. Stand strong by doing what Paul did as I bring this to a conclusion. He reached out in love. He expressed his love. He sent this letter to shut up the accusers and to comfort the people to say, hey, I love you. I love you. Don't listen to those idiots. Don't listen to them. He reached out in love. He expressed his love. You know, I've learned over the years that I have to be very careful how I say this. My wife wants me to feel what she's going through, not solve the problem, and not correct her and tell her what to do. She wants me to feel everything that she's going through, to experience it. To understand. You know, feel as in emotionally. To understand, to to feel the weight of what she's going through. And and sometimes as men, 
we have a tendency to hear the problems and be like, that's easy. One, do this, do this, do this. You fix that whole thing. That's not why she's telling you. Some of the men are so dumb in here. You know that's right. We're different. Glory. We're a little dull, which can be good for war, battle, charging intruders, dealing with controversial, you know, problems, challenges. We actually don't experience pain like women do. There is a genetic wash that goes over the brain. This is true. A wash that goes over the brain of a male child in the womb that deadens their senses. <laughs> it's not our fault. We're uniquely made by God. Amen. And I'm just going to tell you, that's really good if an intruder shows up. What do you want, your husband? Ah! 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 What are we going to... At, at, at budget, when we pulled in, they said, oh, no, you don't. No, you don't. I got us. I said, oh, yeah, I do. And I'm like, oh, this is a different sort of client. They could tell my blue eyes bugging right out of my head. I was standing on my side of the car for now. I don't know. <laughs> you're, no, it's, you're not closed because it's quarter to six. You feeling me right now? That's men. By the way, masculinity is imparted. We need men in the church. We need strong men in the church so we can have men that, that rise up. How do they get on that? Oh, yeah. Fellas, let me just give you a free bonus. Tell your wife. You love her. I told her when I married her, she should know that I love her. Oh, stop. <laughs> Tell your wife. I told her less. Tell her again. Tell her every day. Get her flowers. Bless her. She comes out in a new outfit and asks you if she looks fat. You say, no. <laughs> you look awesome. Woo. Oh, you look fine. He said, but I'd be like, lie. Amen. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> ah, oh, I'm in trouble. Raise your hands to heaven. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You are my sunshine. Take my sunshine away. Let's try it again, all the men and the wives. And if you don't sing to your future husband or spouse, you ready? He said, you are my sunshine. You make me happy. Pastor Vince, get up here. Pastor Vince Vincent, right here. No, that ain't going to work. Pastor Vince, come over here. Come over here. Come over here. Pastor Vince. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get Pastor Vince, you fired from the sound. Come over here. How long are you guys married? 35 years. Sit right there. 
you weren't participating the way it needed to happen. There you go. It's going to sing some Barry White songs or something. He knows them all, believe me. I've heard it. Ready? Do it again to your spouse. Ready? Pastor Vince, I'm watching you. Minister Ava, ready? You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me No, dear, how much I love you. My sunshine away. This is, that's an Ivan Tate thing. He'll be with us in a week. And then the ladies are supposed to sing, Give me money, 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 give me some dough. Give me money, 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 give me some dough. Give me money, 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 give me money, do, 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 do. Give <laughs> Come on! You need to communicate. <laughs> Women are fanning themselves across the sanctuary. What's going on? See, you should do that more often. I love you. Paul communicated. Minister Ava's weeping. Come on, the power of God has just hit the place. Come on, lift your heads to heaven all across this place. Send me to Hawaii, honey, here I go. Send me to Hawaii, honey, here I go. Send me to Hawaii, honey, you don't have to go. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> reached, he reached out in love, and that's what we need to do to each other. And he, he expressed his love for the church. Come on, I've lost like three quarters of you. Come on back, come on, come on back. Come on back, I'm going to conclude. Come on back. Tell your kids you love them. You say, I'm not like that. I wasn't raised like that. Change. Why? Because it's biblical. Reach out to others. Tell people you love them. You know what I've found that's unique? And, and I heard that, I found it was unique because I heard a pastor share this story. And they all laughed and, you know, thought it was awesome. But he was talking to his wife, and then he got a call come in on his iPhone, and it was one of his pastors or something. And they went back and forth, and it went whole, and it went back to his wife, and they went back to the pastor. And he got confused and was saying goodbye to his wife, but he was actually on the phone with his, one of his pastors on his staff. He said, all right, okay, love you. And hung up and thought, whoa. See, you don't think it's all that strange because we say that all the time. Why is that? Because we really do love each other. It was strange in that culture that he's in because, you know, you don't, you don't do that. Well, a biblical culture expresses love. God expresses love to you through his actions, through sending his son. And we need to express our love just like the apostle Paul. He sent Timothy. Build relationships. What if he didn't have a Timothy? Build relationships. Build relationships in the house. Why? Because relationships are one of the It's one of the ways that God moves in the earth is through people. 
Pastor Kirsten ministered, Kimmy, my, my wife and I, we were talking about you recently. We love you. We've known you a long time. And it's a joy to serve with you. This is not some job. This is not a job. We're not doing this for a job. You do other things for a job. No, we do this because God called us to work together. Pastor Vance, Minister Ava, I'm going to go down the line, Haggerty's. Minister David and Siobhan. All of my staff. and It's not just staff, it's our leaders. And you know, we've labored together and some of you, some of you have moved into the yoke. You've taken the yoke of the Lord upon you in this vision. If you'll do that, I'm going to tell you, you would experience love and grace in a way that there's so many people that stay on the outside. And it's because usually they've been wounded, they've been hurt, and the devil's worked on them, accused them. There's people that are not in church tonight because the enemy said to them, if you come back, people are going to ask you where you've been because you haven't been there for so long. You haven't been there. You're going to be embarrassed. He sent Timothy, build relationships that have your heart. Build community. He communicated them with, the, with this letter. Be a communicator. Come on, be a communicator. If you communicate, then the enemy can't get in there. Prayed. Verse 10, night and day. Look at verse 10. I'm almost done. He prayed night and day. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face, your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Constantly praying. Some of you don't pray. Listen, if you don't pray, you're not going to fulfill what God called you to do. I don't care who you are. I don't care what gifts you got. I don't care how handsome or how pretty or None of that matters. If you don't pray, when you pray, it blunts the work of the enemy and releases God's power. All those years ago at an extended fast when we were much, much smaller, the Lord visited me on that final day and spoke to me so clearly. And he said, remember, everything that's about to happen is because you prayed. It's so real to me. Some of you think you can actually fulfill the plan of God without having a constant day and night, night and day, night and day. Not just morning prayer, day and night. Some of you think you can fulfill the plan of God without praying. It won't happen. Oh, come on, God, make me a man of prayer. Won't you say that? Make me a man, make me a person, make me a woman of prayer. Come on, ask God to help you to do that. Have a revelation of it. You need a revelation of prayer, the efficacy you need to be convinced. We all need to be convinced at another level of prayer. It's more than just praying for your food. Prayed earnestly. He's prayed specifically. As a church, we must stand. We must be strong. How? I'm in this closing points. How are we going to be strong? Through preaching the Word of God. Unapologetically. With anointing, zeal, and passion preaching and teaching the entire counsel of the Word of God. I am so grateful for the body of Christ, but I've found in many places it's more of a cultural sort of bless me club. Come on, there's been moments of joy in the service, and then hopefully there's been moments where you were convicted because you know you ain't right right there, and then you need to repent. 
to examine your heart. Very rarely in receiving communion have I ever heard anybody teach 1 Corinthians 11. I do it regularly. Why? Because, like, it's really real to me that if you take communion in a way that's unworthy, you drink and eat death on yourself. Judgment. What? <laughs> yeah. Stick around. That's heavy. I oh, know. Preach the Word of God. We all need to preach the Word of God. We need to live it. We need to preach it. We need to model it. We need to declare it in our life groups, in our teams. But not only that, and, I, and let me say it this way, there's no substitute for the Word. Culture will never substitute the Word, ever. We're not here just as a cultural experience. Oh, we'll have that. We'll, we'll rejoice in the expression of culture in the kingdom. We will preach the word of God that transcends culture. Lastly, final point, loving people. We're going to stand strong. We're going to confront evil by loving people. There's a family in our church, and the reason they're in our church is when I met the gentleman it was obvious he had a health condition. And it was a major health condition. And when I saw what was going on, I was just like, oh my gosh, let's just pray for you. And I, I came and I laid hands on him and I prayed for him. Now that wasn't like I had to do that out of obligation. I just realized, man, I, God could heal him right now. Healing's real to me. So when we see somebody that's sick or hurting or broken, we're gonna pray for him. God's gonna heal him. Does everybody get, oh, stop, you stop. Love people, leave the results to God. Leave the results to God, contend, fight for that, pray. Love people, love people. Some of you like baptized in lemon juice, for God's sake. Mean, cheap, chintzy. Gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. Would you love people? You do, actually. You do love people. I know because first-time guests, when they come in, they, they tell me, I've never felt, I've never been received in a church like this. It's like, man, what is going on here? What did they first call us all those years ago? It was, I don't know, it was 12-plus years ago. The church that hugs, right? The hugging church. Tom Rappi came in our church out of prison for one week. I can show you where we were standing right there. I was introduced to him. He's like, hey, what's up? I'm like, hey. Wrap my arms around him. He said he didn't know whether to cry or punch me in the face. You got to be careful about hugging some people. They don't want to be hugged. He was just like a prickly pear. I didn't get any hug back. But the Lord touched him. He stayed. became part of the church. And came on our staff eventually. He's serving God with his hair on fire in, in, uh, in Missouri right now at our church in Ozark. Did you get something from God? Let's preach the word. Let's stand strong. Vote. Make a difference. Write your senators. Come against that which is not of God. Speak up. Encourage your kids to get involved. Get plugged in yourself. Serve. Communicate. If you feel like somebody doesn't like you, it's a lie or it's true. I'm not sure which one. So you have to figure that out. 
If it's me, I love everybody. If I'm, if you have a problem with me, I'll be letting you know first, actually, before you find, before you, you know, I'll, I'll let you know. Because that's how I keep a very clean slate. I don't have, I have zero offenses, mostly. I don't hold them. Don't you hold them either. If something, if you feel like out of sorts, say, hey, are we good? Are you and are we good? And talk, are we good? No, I'm not good. I didn't like how you touched my glasses the other day. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to touch your glasses. I didn't mean to touch your glasses. Well, that's okay, Pastor Daniel. Oh, we good? Yeah, we're good now. All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Awesome. Clean. If you feel like something's off, it's okay. To, it's okay. Live at peace with one another as far as it depends on you. Preach your word. Love people. Love people. And, and love hopes. Love believes. Love believes all things. Bears all things. She gets something. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.